Golf Podcast, presented by Golficity, where we bring you the tips, instruction, and support you need to get the most out of your golf game. And now your hosts, Frank and Mike. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Golf Podcast. This is episode number 325. And one topic that we like to talk about often here on the podcast is playing smarter golf. Talk about course management, things like that. I love the topic because I think it's something that no matter what your skill level, you can benefit from it. So today mm-hmm. we're going to talk about how you can stop wasting strokes. We're going to talk about five ways to play smarter golf. Mike, I find this one incredibly interesting. In fact, I just started, we, we've talked here before about some of our fam- favorite golf books. So I just started rereading Ben Hogan's book. And um, even when you think about this at at the top levels, the highest level, you know, Ben Hogan, he's talking about, and and we all want to emulate him. We all look at it and we're like, you know, we think he's hitting just magical, incredible shots every time. And when you hear from his own voice and he says that he felt like he only hit maybe one or two shots per round that went exactly where he wanted them to go. And you Mm, realize that even at that level, he's working on things like smart misses and things like that and, and, and course management and, and the pros, and we'll dive into this. One of the tips really talks about something I want to highlight when we watch PGA tour, but they just know their game well enough to know, not their necessarily just their strengths, but their weaknesses. And it's hard to think about the best golfers in the world having weaknesses, but they do. And if you, no matter what your level is, you can benefit from this because obviously if you're a real beginner, you're going to have more weaknesses than strengths. But if you know those, you'll be able to avoid some of the things that are that are going to cause you the strokes out there. And in fact, I, I heard somebody, and I apologize for not remembering the name. I, I follow so many different instructors on Instagram, but there was one instructor and they had asked him, and I just saw this last week. They said, what, what is the best way to save strokes like immediately? What's the first thing you can do? You can tell somebody today and then they'll, they'll be scoring better tomorrow. And he's like, avoid penalties and hazards. And we'll talk about that in a second too. So all really interesting stuff. But Mike, you want to talk really quick about, we've got another, yet another big, yet another big giveaway. Yet another. Slated here. You want to tell us about this? Tease it a little bit? Yeah. So tomorrow it's dropping the big FootJoy head to toe giveaway. And this was really cool because we we approached FootJoy with the idea of this giveaway and they upped it. They upped the game. They wanted to to triple it, so to speak. So what they're going to do is give away to three lucky winners a head-to-toe outfit, and I believe it includes a FootJoy, sh- obviously FootJoy everything, but a, sh- uh, a golf shirt, golf shorts, a pair, a pair of Pro SLs, a Stay Soft glove, and a pair of the socks. So you know, other than the hat, it's it's a true head-to-toe. Yeah, and, and I think it's pretty cool that three people. What is it, like three hundred fifty dollars worth of a prize pack? It's yeah. I mean, I think Gotta even be. just the Pro SLs alone were something like one hundred and fifty bucks. So, I mean, and three mm-hmm. of them, and and that, yeah, like you said, I couldn't have said it better. It's just so great working with FootJoy because when we ask them for something, they seem to just, they take it so much further. We're like, can we give like an, an outfit away? Because we knew they were sending us some clothes. We always like to say our motto is when we get something, you guys get something. So we're like, if you're sending us some some new clothes, can you you mind, let's give away an outfit to, to one of our, our followers. And they're like, no, nah, let's do three. So we're like, yes. Yeah, I love it. So it's just another way to celebrate golf. Really, it feels like it's working its way back. Uh, PGA Tour is back, you know, we're going to see in what capacity, you know, limitations with fans and things obviously all being there, but just to see some professional golf coming back next, next week now, Mike already. Yeah, it is going to be next week. And you know what? It's, we got a little taste of fanless golf from uh, the match with the four guys, Peyton, Brady, yes, Phil and Tiger. So, you know, it's eerie, you know, it's quiet. You do have announcers still, but golf in general is still quiet. So it wasn't that much of a change, I thought, on TV. I mean, the guys were mic'd up, which certainly helped. Yeah. You know? So I don't know if they're going to maybe mic up a couple guys. Probably not because they're playing for a lot of money and they got to stay serious. But, you know, even if they mic'd up a caddy or something, I know, give us a little something extra. Right. We'll see. And and you'll see. I mean, it's going to be a personal choice. You get guys like Adam Scott who are, who are not returning yet. Um, right. and, and he brings up one good point there. He says that, look, if I was to get sick, if I was to get COVID, I'm going to end up quarantined wherever the tour is that week. So I can end up stuck two weeks somewhere, uh, away from his family and things like that. So, you know, I, I don't know. It remains to be seen who's going to be back, who's going to be playing, but going back to that, the match too, what, what did you, what was your overall thinking? Because I'll tell you what, I was, 
that yep. pairing, I, I think they got to keep this going forever. Just the Phil and and Tiger are just two personalities that play off each other just so well. So well. It's great. It's so great. And, you know, I love the the bashing and, you know, the smack talk and everything. It's great. It's great for the game. It was great for the match. Um, I think they are going to start doing more of these with more people. Yeah. You know, from what I read today. So I think that would be cool to see this going forward. I mean, it was fun. It was entertaining to watch. I mean, I'm a little bummed about the weather. I wish it was a little better. Yeah. You know, because I wanted to see I wanted to see Medlist on like a beautiful, hot, sunny day. Yeah, I know. But hey. Whatever. But, got and look, everybody was kind of dogging Tom Brady, who, who, who picked it up on the back. Uh, don't he forget, did. these guys are amateurs, you know, like us. But um, that was a tough track. Like, if you didn't hit your spots, there was no forgiveness with those fairways. That's why we saw a no, lot of them off absolutely. in the woods and stuff like that. That was a tough track. But uh, I was listening to um, the Pin High Boys, the Pin High podcast, which, guys, if you haven't checked that out, it's a new podcast on the Golf City platform. And, uh, these kids, they do a terrific job week after week, just chatting about the PGA tour and things like that. And they were talking about some future matchups and, and I thought they came up with a great one. They were like tiger and MJ. Can you imagine that? Michael Jordan that as the amateur with tiger I'm surprised he, he wasn't included in that because it, to me, it looked like almost a, a, a match of goats. Yeah. You know, you got tiger, you got MJ, you got Brady. I wouldn't put Manning. He, one of the best, you yeah. can't complain. And then Phil, one of the best. But Peyton and Phil aren't greatest of all times, in my opinion. The other three guys, I think, are. I would. I, I think MJ would be a great one. I would argue. I would love to just see you know MJ and Phil out there, just because knowing how much those two like to gamble. Talking, oh, yeah. talking yeah. about yeah. Sure. I mean, I don't think Michael Jordan. They say he he always likes to put out whatever amount of money he's going to make the other guy uncomfortable, right? And I don't know how much you have to put out to make Phil uncomfortable. But to see that matchup would be something. I could see those guys shooting across the way. Thousand, who, thousand who's closest. Yeah. 500 who's there. That would be epic. But it's great. Look, it's great for golf. It's great to put golf on that stage. And, and you start to see all the other guys from different sports were weighing in via Twitter and things like that. Basketball, uh, you know, guys like Verlander from, from baseball. And I just, th- I love it because I think it puts golf, you know, much more in the mainstream. Uh, so I hope to see a lot more of it. Um, but anyway, we've got so much to talk about today. First thing I want to do, I want to obviously do our Twitter tap in. We do this every week, like I say here all the time. If you're not already following us on Twitter, make sure you follow us at Golficity, and then you'll be able to uh, to hop in and check that out. But but first, before we dive into our Twitter tap in, of course, I want to thank this week's sponsor, uh, Titleist. Uh, if, if you're like most golfers, of course, what are you looking for? More speed, more precision, more consistency. That's the, the big hot word that we all want out there from our game. And the good news is the Pro V1 and the Pro V1X both deliver on those promises. They're also designed to fit your game, regardless of your swing speed and ability level. This ball is made to be a ball that is going to work for everyone. It's going to be there for that performance when you need it. Uh, And the good news is it's only getting better. It's been the best ball in golf for a very long time, and they continue to outdo themselves. Now they've got a 17% thinner cover, a larger casting layer that creates the fastest Pro V1 and Pro V1X yet, and it has a fast 2.0 ZG process core, which delivers a level of consistency that's unmatched in the industry. There is a lot that goes into it. If you guys haven't seen our video where we got to tour the Titleist plant, check it out. There's a lot of stuff in it that I don't even understand from an engineering standpoint, but just seeing Mm -hmm. it makes me know that I have that confidence that I can rely on it to perform every time. Uh, Both models, they have that proven drop and stop green green side control, lasting durability, and unsurpassed quality. They're also both available in yellow now. So prove how good you can be. Tee up the Pro V1 and Pro V1X on your next round. Um, Frank, oh, I think um, it's like if we toured the Tesla plant. Yeah. Like we wouldn't know anything that's going on, but it was just it's just cool as hell. Yeah. It's like similar. It is. And, and I think like my, my takeaway when we toured that plant was just how much care every per- one was putting into oh, it. Oh, yeah. And just be like, so yeah, much. I'll put it in these guys' hands. They know what they're doing. Like this one guy just lives and breathes that one section of the golf ball. Yeah. And then we move on to the other. It was great. And the, and at every point, there was a point. testing lab. Remember that? They would stop yep. and test to make sure everything was going right. Anyway, we could do a whole episode yeah, on it. But check, exactly. check out that video. You guys you guys definitely want to see that one. Um, all right. So here is – we had a little fun again. We always – I love the Twitter tap-in segment. It's always a fun thing every week. But this week we said, what golf phrase are you most sick of hearing? You know, there's, there's some, there's some gems out there that have, that have been around forever. Um, one big one that kept popping up, 
Baba Booey. Talk yep. about staying power. How long has it been that they've people have been shouting Baba Booey on the PGA Tour? I mean, it's got to be 15 years or more. I was going to say at least a decade and a half, if not longer. Yeah. Absolutely. It just shows yeah, you I, the 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 power and reach of of Howard Stern, you know. I mean, did it have any golf related? It's just people just want to scream Baba Booey. I, I think so. I don't even remember the original story, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I can agree there. Of course, mashed potatoes would be mine. I mean, I'm just done with that. Which is here on the list as well. Uh, uh, Rick Barry said mashed potatoes. Uh, Matt Diamond and Daryl Wolf both said Baba Booey. Um, this, this is a funny one. Sean Ryan, he says, because again, what phrase are you sick of hearing? He says, you're away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like Sean's hearing that he's away a little bit too often. Um, That's great. And then a lot of pet peeves here where people were saying, you know, where, where other golfers are, are, are un- surprised by how badly they're doing right now and trying to justify it by like, as Mario Price says, quote, I was killing it on the range. Um or, or S. Lynch Golf says, yesterday I was striping it, rolling it, et cetera. Yesterday. 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 Yeah. Key I, words. I love it. Yeah. That's I great. think every golfer is uh, is guilty at some point of, of kind of trying to justify your bad play by saying, like, this isn't always me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, we all I felt it. it. We felt it for, uh, for Brady when he was out there struggling. But then he mm-hmm. holds out on nine for birdie. And it's just like. There it is. Yep. You there know? it is. You hear, I mean, a lot on this list, I mean, even uh, DMCM11 says good ball, you know, and uh, a lot of people saying like nice putt when you barely missed it. Damien said that. And I could see that one being a, another one. Nicholas, people saying good putt after I leave it 10 feet short. Yeah. So I figured that would be a, a common because it's just like second nature to just when someone rolls a putt that gets somewhat close to the hole, you're like, hey, good roll. Right. <laughs> nice right. Like, really? Nice, going- nice effort. Nice effort. Yeah. You're right, trying to be right, supportive, nice but it, it does come Great off. Some- speed. Great speed. Right. It comes <laughs> off a little bit as like, uh, you know, but, um, but yeah. And then there's some that, that just that never seem to go away. Like people saying sit some people like or pet peeve. They didn't want to hear, hear that. But, um, where was, there was one here. Oh, this one I thought was funny too. Dennis Celery says he's not afraid to go low. And that one did make me crack up a bit because we all do say that, but it's like, why would we be afraid to go low? Right. Why would we be? Right. I guess I maybe saying nerves playing aggressive. He's not a play. He's not afraid to play aggressive. I go, I I play aggressive every shot. Yeah. Every single shot. Um, And another good one that I see here often is a couple of them. Um, Ben, as well as Nolan Selby both say, keep your head down or didn't keep your head down. I like that one because it, we have talked about that here a little bit. We talked about it with Kevin Sprecher, I think on the podcast before how that can be something that's a little bit misleading. He's like, it's not your head. It's your body that you want to keep down because the head actually does have a lot of motion in the golf swing, but the, the motion is very specific. You know, it, it's, it, you don't want your head to be moving all, all around, but he said the most important thing is the body. When you start to lift that body up, up and away out of your stance. That's when you start to create these real problems. Um, so I think it's something that is intended to, to really simplify it. So people would understand, but it ends up being a little bit confusing to some golfers where they're like so rigidly keeping their head down and it's not doing what they want it to do. So, right. uh, um, but yeah. And then, uh, Robert Longley says he's tired of hearing that's good. Pick it up. There you go. Robert must be playing lights out. <laughs> he must be playing lights out. Every, then, everybody's giving it. <laughs> everybody's giving it to hey, him. Must great. be playing lights out. All right. I want to talk about, like I said, this week's um, instructional segment where we're going to talk about how, five ways to play a little bit smarter golf. But first, Mike, what do you say? We, uh, we thank a few of our sponsors, do a couple ad reads and then we'll hop into it. Dude, we can definitely do that. But did I just see you drinking hot coffee? No, no, no. No, uh, I switched over. This is ice water. Now I, I was going to say, when, when does Frank switch from hot coffee? to cold beverage what at what point in the day oh you want me to take you through it i'll take you through it real quick i have a very sad thing and it's this mug every time i I have my hot mug mug. i noticed right so what i do is i have i have two cups of coffee in this in the morning worst mug for a for a car thing by the way oh yeah no i don't take this in the car if i do i've got to hold it the whole time but who's going anywhere right now you know we're all we're all still locked down fill this sucker up two cup two cups of coffee first thing in the morning hot coffee Right. Then I switch over to ice water in the same mug. I do rinse it out. I'm not a complete savage. Right. 
Yep. <laughs> ice water for a bit. Two three p.m. If I don't get that iced coffee, um, I'm out. Dead. That's Dead. my that's my whole time of the day, man. I it's, yep. I will crash hard. So then I'm iced coffee afternoons, and then maybe I'll have a hot cup of coffee later in the day. It depends on what I got going tonight. Depends you and I got meetings until about ten p.m. So I think this might right. be a hot coffee evening. We'll see. I like it. All right. So if you see me with this mug when so, we have our, our meeting tonight at, at nine, you know why. Yep. Got it. All right, everyone. All right. That's let's pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> got it, guys. All right. Big thanks to ShotScope. And like I've been talking about over the past couple of weeks, we got some new products coming out. That's right. We've got the V3 and the G3. But in case you're new to the show, let me just explain a little bit. Who is ShotScope and what are they? ShotScope, they've been a partner for a, a partner of Golficity now for a couple of years. They create an amazing product. And an amazing service, too, by the way. But the product is the ShotScope uh, stat tracking watch. It's the G3 and the V3. And, you know, they're awesome. We use them. You see them using us in our videos. It's a stat tracking watch that offers GPS, front, back, middle. But the stat tracking is the real unique part because when you're done with the round, you basically fire up the dashboard, you, you load it up, and all your stats from the day are there. How far was that booming drive? And how many fairways did I hit? And, hey, how close was that approach shot that I stuck on the last hole? So, you know, you can get it all there. It's uh, the new watch that is coming out relatively soon is going to have a new offer. So listen closely. The G3, which is going to be their GPS only, no stat tracking. For those of you who don't want to partake in stat tracking, we encourage that you do. But if you don't, $159.99. And the V3, an extra 20 bucks, $179.99. That is the full stat tracking capability. So these watches are coming uh, soon. Stay listening to the podcast and Golf City social platforms, everything to hear as more news comes out. But it is coming, guys, and you are going to love the way these things look, feel, and work. We've used them, and it's coming. It's coming. Next, FootJoy, guys. Big thanks to FootJoy for being great partners of the show. They know that the swing starts from the ground up. So you could take on those uphill, downhill, side hill, whatever the lie may be. FootJoy provides footwear that you need for superior traction and stability on every single shot. So whether it's the all-new Pro SLs, which I just wore in the New York Country Club video, which is live on our channel, the Bingo Bango Bongo video, which is so much fun, Frank. Uh, rock those Pro SLs, the hottest shoe on tour, or the max performance of the Tour X. I also love this shoe and wore this at Hollowbrook two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever we went out there. Amazing shoe. And, of course, the FootJoy Fury uh, and plenty other FootJoy Flex, the Flex uh, uh, waterproof, you name it. FootJoy's got you covered. Finding the right shoe does matter for your golf game. So check them out. Shop now at FootJoy.com. All right. So let's dive into this a little bit because, like I said, I think this is an area that is often overlooked by newer golfers um, or maybe just not given quite enough attention to even for some more experienced golfers. But you'd be surprised at how much really goes into this at the highest level of the game. Uh, of course, a large part of smarter golf also comes down to when you're talking about that level, uh, working with caddies. Um, there's just... Wow. There's just so much that goes into it. You see it. I mean, Mike, you and I have seen it when we're there uh, for PGA tour events a little bit early on Wednesdays during practice rounds and during uh, pro-am rounds, you see the, uh, the caddies of the players out there walking it. You know, if, if the, if the players teeing off in the afternoon, the caddies out there in the morning, making notes of different areas of the, of the, of the, uh, the holes as where they want to put their different shots and things like that. There's just so much to that strategy, mental challenge part of the game. And if you can start to embrace it, like I said, not only will you enjoy the game more, I've talked about that before on previous episodes where I said there's is a whole new dynamic to the game that opens up when you start to think about the strategy. Um, but you'll, you'll score better for it. I mean, so much of us where we focus a huge, if you, you had like a pie chart of the time that we spend on our strategy versus our swing, you know, the, the, the strategy I and mean, the swing part is so huge. We're always so focused that we just want to be able to hit every shot, you know, perfect that we, we tend to get away from the idea of understanding that golf is, is not a game where you play perfectly. It, it, no matter how good you are, you're going to have misses. So and that's where all those kind of now cliche things come from, like golf being a game of misses and all those things you hear. It, there's a reality behind it. So if you can be smarter and knowing you know those limitations and knowing those risk rewards and all that type of stuff, you're going to score better for it. 
And I, I'm, I've been challenging myself on this really hard, Mike. And I, and I have a new thing that I want to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can challenge myself to do this. I, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening who can relate to this right now. When I go out and play a round of golf, oftentimes I don't think about the shot I'm going to hit until I'm standing there in front of it. Um, and this can really cause issues when it's the very first time I'm playing a golf course. I mean, an example of this is it wasn't the first time we were playing. It was the second time we were playing New York country club when we played just the other week, but it had been a long time and I didn't know it well. And very often I'd be like, Hey, where's the hole here, Mike? Or I'd say like, I I would sometimes ask you, is there any trouble up there that I should be aware of? Or I'll glance down at my shot scope and there's a spot where you can click a button and see the hazards or whatever, but I don't put a whole lot of thought into it. And then you think, well, when you play a course that you know well, you always seem to play better because you know, I know the course. Sure. Or we watch going back till we talk about um, the the match two where they played, you know, medalist and 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 you kept hearing Tiger saying how much he knows the course. He just, he knows it. You know, even when he played that that one, that hole where he had to play with one club, you know, and and Phil's like, well, four iron seems weird here, but I'm not going to question you. You know this course so well. So I thought, well. Obviously, I can't know every single course. So what can I do? And I'm going to try to make it a mental plan to, before I play around, maybe the night before, and I know you do a bit of this, Mike, is to look, every golf course now, it seems like they've got all the information, the hole by hole or whatever, or the scorecard on their website. It's to look it up and try to go in with a plan, like just kind of plan out every shot. Doesn't mean every shot's going to execute that way, but if I plan it ahead and don't leave myself to the last second to make the the judgment call of what shot I'm going to hit, I think it'll be comforting in a way that like I, I don't feel as stressed to, to whatever if I just know like this is the shot I'm hitting and, and not be second guessing myself, but also get myself in less trouble because there's so many times I'm thinking back to like that course we played. What was that course near Port Jervis, New York that we played? Oh, high point. High yeah. point. Remember that, how tricky that was? If you didn't know the course, like even the first hole, we out, we both drove it through the fairway. And now right. knowing wow. like we, it's because we're thinking like, okay, you look at the scorecard, you look at that number, you see par four, 450 yards. You'd be like, it must be a driver hole, but it's not mm-hmm. necessarily. So we'll talk about that in a second. But my personal goal is going to be to try to look at the holes beforehand and go in with some sort of plan and see what it does to my score. That's the first and foremost. And I know you do a bit of that. So mm-hmm. I want to try that out. But the, the biggest note about playing smarter golf is that some golfers think that they're just not good enough yet to be worrying about course management. It's just not true. It's just like when we talk about with fittings, sometimes the the highest handicap golfers stand to benefit the most. Similarly with course management, it just by avoiding trouble, by avoiding areas that are going to penalize you, you're going to be surprised at how much better you can score. So our first tip would be don't assume driver. It's very easy when you step up to a long par four to assume that, you know, it's a driver hole. Um, but again, let's use the most recent example we have, which was the match with Tiger and Phil and them. Surprising how often they're playing from the tips. They're playing a long, long holes, how often they stayed away from driver. Um, and we saw like Brady hitting a two iron off the tee a lot, you know, and, and some of the other guys, and you just realize that as amateur golfers, oftentimes we just, if it's a if if it's anything par four par five we're, we're hitting driver, and the reality is, course designers know that, and and they'll often set and place things out there hazards, uh, water um, tightenings of fairways that are that are there uh, for that driver distance, and by simply on some of those making a smarter teeing decision and clubbing down a little bit, you're going to put yourself in a spot where you can make the fairway and, and, and make it a better chance. I mean, again, going back to this idea that so many strokes are lost from hazards. Similarly, a lot of strokes are lost. It might not go into hazard, but you drive the ball just a little bit right or left and end up in that tree line. And your next shot has got to be like this 20 yard punch shot. Cause that's all you got. And that's almost essentially the same as, 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 as a, a penalty there. So yeah, you know, and it makes me think because we're playing Black Bear this Sunday up at yes. the Springs. Actually, as this episode is, as you're listening to this, we're probably on the course. Uh, but uh, there's a course that I know right out of the gate. Now, you and I are partners here, so I'm happy to help you because we're playing a little friendly match against the inside the leather guys. So 
Uh, like you don't need drive. It's a long par four followed by a long par five. That's the green is surrounded by water. You don't need driver on either of those holes. Yeah. You know, there's just too much trouble, but you're absolutely right. It is a common thing. You see a long yardage, you grab the driver, the big stick, you head up to that tee box thinking you've got to chop some of that yardage down. Right. It and, and the reality might be, let's say the difference in my driver versus my hybrid, right. Might be a difference of maybe 30, 40, maybe 50 yards. Right. Uh, which ultimately is not necessarily always going to mean the difference of being able to reach that green in two or not, but it may be a difference of taking certain things out of play. So things to look for would be hazards, OB, and as well as you know, rough. Rough can be a factor. I remember when we played Ridgewood; it was such a punishing yeah. rough just off the fairway. Um, but look, you know, is whether OB is present, is there a narrowing of the fairway? Is there something, can you look at it on your scorecard if it's the first time playing it, whatever it may be, and then think, is there a club I can hit that would take some of this out of play? We talk about it like the analogy of playing football, you know, American football for those who are listening in other areas of the world. But um, we say like a quarter, a good quarterback will survey the defense before calling a play. Similarly, before you you call a shot before a shot. You have a shot that you're going to want to try to execute, survey the defense and look. But of course, you're not going to put driver away on every hole. We are not advocating that in any way. Driver is a scoring club for those long par fives, long par fours often. Uh, but I think if you just move out of the mindset of always assuming it, don't assume it just because it's a four or five. You'll, right. you'll stand to benefit. And we've seen it so many times at that, like I said, the PGA tour level, I can't tell you how many times we've seen following guys like, um, Ricky Fowler, who's already not tremendously long off the tee, you know, long compared to us, but in relation to the rest of the, the PGA tour field, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that guy hit three wood, uh, or, or a long iron or something off of a tee on a, on a par, a long par four. Um, it's just, yeah. it's just smart play. It's often smart like play. It's, it should be all about the next shot That's in, it. That, in that case. That's it. You Anything know, again, that can, on that, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Anything that can take those trouble out of play is important. Right. Right. And going back on that second hole of black bear, the par five, you cannot get home into, I don't care who you are. Right. You can't. I mean, you're not hitting a 230 yard hybrid to a green surrounded by water and sticking it. It's just not going to do it. Right. So why hit the driver off the tee and risk that all OB left and that other fairway that's right? It's you're absolutely right. Right. And look, we could go. This is just the first tip. We could go on and on about this because we could extrapolate this out to other shots. And, sure. And a good yeah. example is those par fives. Sometimes you're like trying to reach it with a three wood or something like that, where, where that may bring, if you come up short, maybe the, maybe the green is heavily bunkered in front for that reason. They know the guys who are trying to go for it in two. And if they come up short, they're in trouble in a green side bunker versus let's say you say, I'm just going to hit a five iron here and leave myself a hundred. I know with a five iron, I can hit the fairway up there and I'm going to leave myself a hundred yards out. I would almost rather in a lot of conditions have a hundred yard wedge shot from a fairway where I can pick a target on the green versus being stuck in a greenside bunker, you know, it, pot with, with any degree of possible lies in there and right. possibly short sided, all those things. So it's just being smart and not taking to a certain extent, taking that distance out, because I'll tell you what, it's been my thought process for a long time. It just was always as an amateur golfer, it was just like, what's the yardage and what club can I hit? the furthest to get cover the most of that yardage was my only thought all the time. Step up and swing. What can I cover the most? Now I'm starting to think backwards and being like, where do I want to leave this shot? What's my lie? Things like that. So that's the first tip. The second tip is read the slope of the green, of course, but do it on every shot, every approach shot. And a good example of this is, and, and people who do it incredibly well, obviously are the PGA tour, right? So you're watching the PGA tour on a Sunday and you notice it's almost like, and especially because I know they're only really showing what makes it on TV is usually the best shots, of course, but you see these approach shots and it seems like that their, their ball is magnetically attracted to, to the hole. You know, it just seems like wherever they hit it on this green, it just starts moving down towards the hole. Now I know some of that spin, but the, a large part of the reason why that happens is because the pros and along with their caddies are so adept at understanding the slope. Very often they're hitting it to a spot on the green where they know it's going to move down towards the hole. So what I mean by an example of that is 
Don't wait to read the green until you're standing on it. If you're if you're faced with that 100-yard wedge shot, 150-yard, maybe 8-iron shot, whatever it is, try to glance ahead and understand the green a little bit. And this is where, again, it goes back to knowing the course well. Maybe if you've been on the green, you know it even better. But just even looking ahead and looking at, at the lay of the land and see what can I see that will give me a giveaway of how this green is going to slope. So now let's say my hypothetical green slopes heavily from left to right. Now I know I can err towards aiming towards that middle, maybe even middle left side of the green because I'm going to get a little help. When that ball hits the green, if it's sloping left to right, it's going to roll down, assuming the pin is on the right side. I can right. aim left of that pin and know that it's going to work its way back. Also, we've talked about this before, trying to leave yourself on, you know, somewhere on the low side so you can leave yourself with an uphill putt. So again, looking at that slope and seeing where is the pin in relation to the slope. Uh, if this, if it's sloping up towards the pin, possibly erring on the side of leaving it a little bit short. And again, when I say erring, because of course we would all love to hit our number every time, hit our pins every single time. But the reality is we have to factor in some degree of miss. And, and you, that, that factor goes up depending on the club, the shot, the lie. If you understand that, you are essentially assigning yourself a bigger miss buffer. So instead of your target being this like one pin, your target might be this area where you feel like more confident I can land it somewhere in this area and then move that area around based on, you know, what, what comes into play with it. Um, but if you, if you do that again, instead of just saying, all right, you know, glance down at my watch, I see this is a 150 shot. I'm just going to hit my 150 club. Add some more factors into that decision-making process. And a big one could be right. slope. Look at that slope. Where does it slope? And change your 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 uh, target a little bit based on that. And that's another yeah, big one. Yeah, I love it. I, that makes sense. I mean, there because there's a good chance that if you've got a 115 to the flag and it's on an uphill slope, that pin, then it might result in a club change for you. It might result from going from a 56 to a 60, for example, and hitting a 105, 108 because you want that uphill putt. So I, I think this is a great tip. For sure, for sure. That's a great, you know, great analogy for it because you 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 can say I can err on the side of, especially if you're in between clubs, err on the side of of coming up a little shorter if it leaves you an uphill putt. There's a lot of smart decision making that can go th into th it. Think about the mark. Think about the margin of error. If I hit that 115 club and I stick my shot and then it bounces seven or eight yards and it goes off the green, now I have a short-sided short chip shot and now I'm back and forth and back and forth. It could result in three or four more shots and you blew up the hole. Where if you just come up 10 feet short, all right, it's not the worst thing in the world, but you two-putt up a hill, pick up your ball and move on. That's it. That's exactly right. It's it's and, and when you start thinking like where if a club is like your max distance with that club, you know, if, if let's say your 115 shot is a full swing gap wedge, well, it's harder to be accurate with a full send 100% shot mm -hmm. versus maybe backing it down to, a, you know, a lesser, you know, a higher loft club and, Smooth you know, I mean, a lesser loft club. Yeah. And then right. just hit it not as hard. So there's so much that comes into it. But again, if you can just, I'm just trying to like shift people's minds, especially the, the newer golfers and just get you thinking in a different way. And if you start thinking in a different way, you'll be surprised at how your game benefits for it. Um, Another thing is treat each hole as a new challenge. Um, this is I mean, my favorite. This is the big. What do yep. we, talk about? Like this goes back to our Twitter tap and things that you said a little bit too often. All the time we say, or at least you think you've got to make up for something. I just made double bogey on that hole. Now I've got to make up for it. There's really mm -hmm. no way to make up for something. It's happened. All right. When you start to get away from your strategy, that's when the wheels come off. So let's say, for example. You go into this and, and like I've, I, like I said, I'm working on this hard where I'm going to go in with a strategy, right? But let's say I've got that strategy and I, I see on the, on the fourth hole, my plan was to, uh, it's a par five. It's, it's incredibly long. So my plan was to hit, you know, driver to a certain spot, ideally, and then hit five iron and then hit a wedge. But now I just came off of on the, on the previous hole, I made double bogey. And now all of a sudden I throw that all out because I got to make up for it. And now I'm like, I hit my driver and I'm like, forget the game plan. I'm going three wood because whatever. And then I, I, I put everything into it and I don't make good contact with my three wood. And I just, you know, just blade it like off into the woods or whatever, OB right. or something. Now, now it's mm -hmm. talking, now it's things are really happening. The, the wheels are coming <laughs> off yep. and the double bogeys start to stack up. So 
you just understanding that concept that you can't make up for th- something. It's done. There's nothing you can do about it. The best you can do about it is learn from it. And when you play this course again and play that hole a little bit differently, but keep to your strategy. And this is where discipline comes in big time. It, it's golf is a game that requires tons of patience or requires tons of discipline, but you can train yourself on that discipline by just sticking to it over and over again, and you'll become more comfortable with it. But Figure it out. Go into that game plan ahead of chance and don't change the strategy just because you're playing worse or better. I've seen this even at, again, highest level PGA tour guys going with a strategy. They're playing really well. And then they try to do something like protect their lead by playing a little bit more conservatively. Like they're they're, Maybe that wasn't in their plan to, to play a certain shot or whatever. And then all of a sudden we start to see these guys slide. It's like, what's happening here? You know? Right. Um, so it can be important no matter what level you're doing, but don't. The only really real reason you should ever change your game plan in the in the middle of a round is if the conditions require you to do so. If the if you're playing like we did in Scotland and the weather changes seemingly on every single hole, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you know maybe your your play was driver on 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 a certain hole, but now there's this crazy wind that you know is just going to take this ball ob, and instead a knockdown three iron is a better play. There, change your strategy, but otherwise. Don't go shifting your strategy on a whim based on score or things like that. And I think that's a big one I'm working on too. It just takes discipline. It's so much easier said than done, Mike. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the things I like to say is treat it as if you're going out and playing 18 separate rounds of golf within one round of golf. Yeah. You know, each hole is its own, you know, that's your own game that day. And, you know, then if you mess up, you move on and you try it again on the second hole. Yep. And I love it. This is really key. It's uh, it'll keep you your mental game sharp. I think it'll keep you more in the round. It'll it'll help you forget what happened, like you said on the previous hole. So this is huge. That's it. Just put it in the bank. It happened. Move on. Mm-hmm. Um, another one again, building on what you just said of knowing your game would be knowing when, where, and how you can kind of go after the flag. Um. It's so it's fun. We want to see like what 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 the guys do on TV and just be pin hunting out there. But the reality is, you shouldn't be pin hunting every time. Um, there are times when you just want to ignore the the flag and just get your green in regulation. Just go after putting it somewhere on the green. But a good way to do this is really to is it comes from like a, a big time self realization, like knowing yourself, knowing your game. So one practice that you can do because we're all. We all experience different levels of accuracy with different clubs, but as you're working through some practice on the range, work through those clubs that would be your, your, you know, your green, green hitting clubs. So maybe it's like your, your seven iron down through your wedges and start to take notice at the distances, aim for different flags that are out there on the, on the practice facility, on the range and notice how accurate you are with different clubs. Um, and then have a kind of a, a cutoff point. If you notice that from, let's say, 125 yards and in, you're, you feel very confident in your accuracy. You feel like a vast majority of the time you are able to come close to, to that, that target, that pin. So then maybe you say, 125 is now my new cutoff. For 125 or under, I'm going pin hunting. At 126 and above, I'm just going to aim for the fattest part of the green and try to get my green in regulation because you realize that, let's say my anything I hit 126 or more, I start to notice a severe drop off in my accuracy numbers. That might be that cutoff. And again, it comes back to not ch- you, you've made a smart decision here based on data, data that you've learned from the range. Don't right. go changing it on the day. That becomes your strategy. Lock it in. Um, only wary of a little of a caveat of that I might say is if you're on the range warming up before your round or even the first couple of holes, and we all know what this is like as golfers, even the PGA tour golfers, some days you've really got it. Some days you don't, you can err on the side of getting a little bit more conservative there. I think that that's a safe play. If all of a sudden you're on the range, you'd be like, I don't have it. Even with my, usually, you know, 125, I can hit my pins, but today there's just something just a little bit off or the weather's a little bit of a factor. Even at that clubs, I'm not going pin seeking. I'm going to give myself a little bit of a buffer. 
And the buffer, look, that's something we can go into. It's got to be smart. You got to look at that pin. Where is it placed? Is is it, you know, a spot where if you miss right, you're going to be short-sided really bad or possibly trickle off into a bunker. That's where you want to push that target a little bit more left. But look, it's not always necessarily the center of the green. You know, there's usually like a meaty part that you feel like you can hit. But listen, you want to see your score start to change really quick. Just start knocking off those greens regulation. Instead of worrying about the pin, get on there somewhere, two putt, get out of there. You're going to be hitting pars where normally you guys are making bogeys. That's at least for, that right. I've seen in my own game. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, so that, that one's an important one, but I like that idea. Go out, try it. Let us know what you think. If you guys have tried this where you've gone to the range, you feel like what's your accurate clubs, what's your cutoff point for pin seeking, um, post in the Facebook group because I'd love to hear some of your individual experiences with that for sure. You caught me on my shot scope dashboard looking at what my sweet spot was for approaches right there. That's, why That's a great point kind of- too. I didn't even think of that. You could go yeah. if you if you are stat tracking, you could go through and, and see where your accuracy is. What did you find? Like pitching wedge, you know, and lower, uh, like sixty seven percent green success. When I start getting into like nine iron and you know up, it, it starts to tail off pretty big. So my nine iron is like my one fifty. So my number might be one fifty or in. Go flag hunting. There you go. That's exactly it. You may say, yeah, nine iron, one fifty, or anything of a nine iron or more. You're just, you're just gonna, your, your target is gonna be the fattest part of the green, and anything right. below that, your target is gonna be within reason the pin. It might be, like I said, if it's short side, it might be five feet left of the pin or whatever. Or going back to what we said, reading the slope, it might be hit it on the slope of where it is and let it roll down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last tip, number five is, and this is another one that's very hard because golf is a sport, even though it's an individual sport, it's a sport that you play with others. You know, it might be people you know, your buddies, which makes it sometimes even harder. It might be in a tournament competition, which can make it tough. Or you could just be paired up. You know, you could be a single and paired up with another group and you're just trying to get out there and impress people a little bit. But the reality is, again, you create this strategy. Stick Big part of sticking to it is playing your own game. Even if, let's say you step into a tee box and it's a short par four and everybody's going for it, that doesn't mean to change your strategy just for that reason. And I know you may get a little bit of ribbing, be like, oh man, what are you doing? Pulling out an iron? it off. You might, right. but you know what? You'll be the one ribbing everybody in the clubhouse when you come in with a low score. So I'm not saying that just because everyone go for it, don't go for it. Like that might've been your strategy. If your strategy to start was like, I am comfortable with this shot, I'm going to go for it, then fine. But what I'm saying is if you came in and your strategy was like, my comfort level is not to hit driver into this par four and try to go for it. I know that there's whatever it is. A, a great example is you and I played New York country club, play the 10th hole. just going to say it. Right? Yep. Downhill, <laughs> you know, very much a reachable hole, but this like a little tiny green that's super protected by water and by, and by um, a bunkering. And I'm like, my driver is not the club for me for this. And as, as glorious as it would feel to bomb this thing down there and land it on the green and be putting for Eagle, I'm like, what do I hit that shot? One out of 10 times I make that work. And the other, the other nine times it's in the water, it's in a trap. God knows where it is. So I'm like, I'm very comfortable hitting a five iron here and leaving myself 80 yards out. And that's what I did. But but that's exactly it. You played your game on the flip side. I went for it. Not because I'm just like this fun, but that is your game. That is your game. It is my game. But if you look at that hole, I know that with my drive nine times out of 10 in your scenario, but for me, nine times out of 10, my ball misses the green, but to the right where there was nothing but just grass. Yes. Right. In that scenario, the water and everything was to the left. So I knew that I was safe kind of no matter what. If I pull hook this thing randomly, it's going to go in that water or in that OB. But I never do that with my driver. My miss is always a slice right. Yes. So I knew that I could recover there. That's why I stuck with that. But yes, I am the risk taker in, in my golf game, but even more so on that. But you, you prove a good point. You you know your miss. And that's what I'm saying. Like what, right. what, what all of this really roots on is first knowing yourself as a golfer and knowing what you're you know, what your game is. And and that goes back to like I said with Ben Hogan, where he's like, I only two, you know, maybe two times per round, I, I hit the shot exactly where I wanted to, but he knew his miss otherwise. And he could mm-hmm. air his targets on the side of knowing that if he does miss it, he'll send up safe. And like what you did there saying like, there's a big safe bailout area there to the right. So as long as I hit my shot and don't change anything and don't hook this, I'm out, I'm out of that water. 
For right. this particular example, what I'm saying is the the temptation, we've all felt it. You tee off first, Mike, you've got driver in your hand. And the temptation is for me to be like, well, if you're doing it, I got to hit it. Right? Yeah, right, especially right. if it's compounding that there's two, three other people in the group and they're all hitting and be like, but again, remember it's an individual game, play your own game. Um, if it's not something you're comfortable with, we all know this, like how often do you hit a good shot when it's a shot you're not comfortable with? It just doesn't happen. So mm-hmm. although it might feel good to try to bomb it out there, especially if there's anything on the line, don't do it and just, just stick to your game plan. Because again, this is such a snowball effect. You start to get away from your game plan once, then you start to do it again. These things could all come into play. Think about it. This this number five tip, play your game. Let's say you don't do it. You go after it, right? And they blow up on the hole. Now, like our, our, uh, third point comes into play. Take each hole as a new challenge now, or, or I'm sorry, it was the, yeah, the one where it's like, where we were talking about, um, making up for it. So you, 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 you end up doing that, you bomb it down there, you put it in the oh, water yeah. and then you go to the next hole and you'd be like, well, I got to make up for that. And then your strategy starts to go even worse and worse. And now you're like, well, that whole round was a disaster because you just, you just allowed yourself to get so far away from your game plan. Whereas if you, yeah. if you just focus on the discipline of just saying, I'm going to stick to it, it can be a comfort even in the most challenging, frustrating rounds, because at least you yeah. got a roadmap, you know, you may have had a flat tire along the way, but you got a map to yeah. get you where you need to be. I think that that right. helps. Right. And I'm laughing in my head as you're talking, because I'm thinking about my first, I've only had two Eagles in my life. Think about that. I've only had two. I've been very, you know, they, they aren't my thing. And the first one I've ever had was about four years ago. And I think I recorded the whole thing on Snapchat. We put it on the Gulf of City YouTube it was a dogleg right Blue Hill Golf Course in Pearl River, New York, the fourth hole. And it's like you can reach the green on a massive slice over the woods. So, But the smart play is a 200-yard shot into the fairway, and they just take like a 100-yard wedge shot in. It's a, it's a really short hole. But I go for it every time. And the one time <laughs> I stuck my drive to 18 inches and tapped in an eagle, every time I get up to that hole – I always do it <laughs> because now I'm, I'm ruined on that hole. I get out of my comfort zone. I, I'm going for it because I did it already and it worked out once. So, Well, I'm, what I'm happens prepared. every other time you do the same play? That's what, what I mean. Like so you said that because it worked once, you do it every time. Oh, and every other time it's like in the woods, it's a tree, <laughs> goes over the grade. It's, it's horrible. I mean, I've only had like one or two great results there in my life. And but it, because I had that one eagle. Right. And it it proves like the percentages we're talking about, like you may be able to hit that shot 5% of the time. And maybe that day your, your number came up, you got your 5% and every (laughs) other time you're 95%, you're in the woods. Now Mm -hmm. you look at, here's the other other thing that drive you crazy. Look at your shot scope data. Look at your, your, your overall score on that hole over time. Right. And that I guarantee that eagle like cost you because it's probably like it's probably a two on the card once and probably like a seven every other seven, time. Seven the rest of the time. Right. Absolutely. Whereas you could just you could play that hole to a four every time super conservatively and you just have this you'd be like And there you go. Yeah, even over time versus over time you're like plus ten. <laughs> Case in point, right there. It's wild. Gone. But look at yep. again, I want to disclose, I say all this to you guys in a way that seems like it's easy to do, but it's not. I know everything I'm talking about here is a challenge. I know golf is a game that will lure you to try to stretch your ability, to try to go for it when you shouldn't go for it, to try to play a club you shouldn't play, to try to make up for a bad score when you shouldn't. The reality is what I want to just bring to light is when you start to play the golf at a different level, uh, you start to realize the importance of these things. And you start to realize that golf is not just a swing. Golf is not just going to the range and learning how to, to take a full swing. Golf is learning how to understand and respect its difficulty and play it in a way that gives yourself the best chance of scoring with whatever game you've got at that moment, that day, that week, that year, whatever it may be. So that's something, if you can gain that understanding you'll, you'll score better and you'll understand your game better. So you'll know what to work on. And then you can adjust your strategy over time as your game improves and as you're better and better at hitting certain shots. And as your percentage of miss goes down for certain shots, you can start to work things in, but playing just with the game you have and just respecting that, trust me, you'll, 
you'll benefit from it because you'll be wanting to share that scorecard in the Facebook group or wherever, because you'll be like, at the end of the day, you know, the score is something that, that can really benefit from smart play. So hopefully you guys like these five tips and I think they're all super important. Dude, I will be listening back to this episode on my drive to Black Bear Sunday because I know it'll be live at 7 a.m. right on their way to the round because this is one of my favorite episodes in a long time. I think this is the episode that helps your golf game big time. I totally agree, and I'll report back on how this is because this is going to be my first time doing it. We're playing Black Bear on Sunday. I am going to, ahead of time, go to their website, look at the scorecard because I played it once, but I don't remember it well enough, and maybe I'll even rewatch that vlog. So I can see some of the different, mm-hmm. jo- and I want to go in ahead of time, knowing each hole well enough to know generally what shots I want to hit. And, you know, from there, there's some adapting. I may plan to hit a driver and hit it on the right side of the fairway and it doesn't happen. And then I may have to adapt, but then just try to work my way back to the, the plan. Maybe it's like, oh, my drive pushed it right when the trees, I'm going to punch it out to around about the spot and go back to my plan rather than saying, well, one shot went bad. Take the whole plan and throw it out the window. That's what right, I got to get away right. from. So I'll report back to you guys on how that went. I'm going to try it, and we'll see because we got to beat we got to beat the inside of the leather guys. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're my partner. Yeah, come on, man. Definitely. God, I'm who wants to it. hear Ronnie? We know he can talk. If he beats yeah, us, we're not going to hear the end of it. It's one thing for him to beat us in a video game, but not we can't do it on the course. No. So make sure your your hips are firing through on all cylinders. Orange, whip yourself to death when you I'm get be there. Stretching like crazy. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. All right. right. (laughs) I hope you guys enjoyed this one. If you've got any smart tips of your own for for a way to play a little bit smarter, let us know. You can post them in the comments. You can, uh, you can post them in the Facebook group. We'd love to hear them. Uh, you can get to the show notes for everything we talked about today by going to golfacity.com slash episode 325, or as always in the golfacity app. So, uh, wish us luck Sunday. I think we got these guys in the meantime. We'll see everybody again next week.